You're listening to Decolonizing Trauma, the podcast that sheds light on alternative perspectives that contribute to our collective well-being. I'm Yemi Penn. In this series, we will reclaim our voices and rewrite the narrative. Get ready to challenge old paradigms and embrace a future of joy and liberation. To delink ourselves from the structure of knowledge imposed by the West and then to reconstitute our ways of thinking, speaking and living. That's one of many definitions of what it means to decolonize. And that is by Michael Sang. And I start off this first podcast because I want to talk about the elephant in the room. I want to talk about the nerves <laughs> that I have had to settle and soothe over the past couple of weeks, months, possibly even a year as to what my next podcast was going to be. If you've watched the trailer and if you haven't, please do. You will know that I'm currently doing research on trauma, the transformation of trauma. I'm really interested in looking at the strengths-based perspective of some of our most difficult and challenging experiences so I'm really curious about how we can transform it, but I'm really curious in doing this with a decolonized lens. And that's the elephant in the room I want to talk about. Why was I nervous about even titling my podcast that? Because when I hear decolonize, I automatically hear division. I automatically almost see color. And that's what I'm trying not to do. I want to step out of this binary notion that it's a black versus white, a he versus she, a they versus us. I really want this to be a we. And so my invitation is that we're going to get uncomfortable. I'm going to be uncomfortable. When I now do my research, I'm reading stuff that I usually don't think people should even think, let alone write. But that's the beauty of research that I have come to respect wholeheartedly, that there is so much we do not know. You know, I talk about liminal thinking in almost all of my content and definitely my keynotes. Liminal thinking is this notion that we are in a cage, but where some of our liberation comes from is the minute we know we are in a cage. Another way to put that, we think we know all of reality based on our experience. But the minute we know we do not know all of reality, it does require a little bit of humble thinking. It does require a little bit of silencing of the ego. But the minute we know that is the minute we are open to possibilities of knowing the unknown. And so research has allowed me to realize how many things I do not know. What did I think I was so sure of? And here's one. Oh, I'm feeling a little bit nervous even to say this because there's so much vulnerability in sharing what you don't know. When I think of some of the traumas that I have experienced and the one that has bubbled up throughout my PhD so far has been around race, but mainly towards my kids. I know people will be listening to this all across the world, but in Australia, I still feel we are in heavy denial about our racism. You know, we look at America and think, Oh yeah, that place is bad. I just think they're the first to go through reckoning. You know, someone explained the different levels at which different countries are when it comes to facing or talking about racism. And 
you know, someone said America's going through its teenage phase, whereas the UK is pretty much in its senior phase because it's so rooted in the systems that that the struggle and the fight is harder. And with Australia, I don't even know where it is. It just feels like it's just not been born, but it's still very mellow. And it's not that we want to do the opposite of mellow, but we are going to need to talk about it more. But the race and racism that the kids and I have faced in Australia, more so than any other country, really has brought that trauma, racialized trauma, to the forefront of my story. Not my identity, but my story. But as I started to do my research, that was where I found out <laughs> that there is trauma closely linked to racism that did not happen to people who are black according to the race or who have brown skin. Now hold up, because your brain might be firing everywhere and I know I'm gonna have some academics listening to this as well. I don't come here thinking I know everything, but I come here believing that I am curious to know more. I'm defined as a pracademic. I am the bridge between academia and putting things in a way that society can actually use. So pracademic is all about taking this academia, this theory, but making it practical for us to use in everyday life. So going back to racism, when I started to do my research, there was this tension between, between colonialism and racism. And I started asking the question, where's the difference? Where's the line? And more recently on my social media pages, I asked the questions, what came first, patriarchy or racism? Because if you can see the link, there's a risk that I get stuck in the story and the trauma of racism. But what my research has allowed me to do was understand the impacts of colonialism to people who did not look like me. Because I started to hold onto a story that especially because my difference from what has been the dominant narrative is very visual, it's very noticeable, that it would have been impossible for people who did not look like me to have faced some sort of oppression. Now, radical honesty is also the name of my game. So for those that know me, I tend to say things very open and to the point because we ain't got no time to be dancing around shit when we are trying to solve some of the world's greatest problems. And for me and my work, I actually believe healing and transforming our trauma is a big part of contributing to healing the world. So when I started to read more on colonialism, I really gained insight into the Republic of Ireland. The Magdalene laundries, the famine was something that was just really new to me. Now I know most people might think, yeah, but you should have known that. I possibly did, maybe in school, but when I have been so drenched in my own trauma of racism, the racism that I experienced or my kids experienced, it had become very difficult to hear or see anything else. And this is where the notion of decolonization has come up for me, which is I don't want to make this binary. What does it look like? Especially if some of the consistent threads across some of the historical traumas that still leave intergenerational wounds and scars, some call it the soul wound, then that's where I want to start. There might be something before, and I'm sure, and I had a dear friend from Ireland say, how far back do we go? 
I'm going as far back as the scars that are left with us today. So for me, decolonizing the way we think is about changing language, is about changing the narrative, is about bringing back the wisdom that was scattered and fragmented many years, decades, centuries ago. It's to rewind the clock, but not in a difficult way, rewind the clock in a cosmic way, a way that we can lean on the wisdom of our parents, their parents, the stories, especially the ones that aren't in academia, especially the ones that aren't in this really beautiful encyclopedia or book. I want to start talking about the wisdom that comes from our lived experience and our sharing. So for me to decolonize is to integrate and connect as opposed to the divisive and separating that happened as a result of colonialism. Now, what will make this quite challenging for some people as well as the fact that we're saying, yeah, but all of these things happened way in the past. Why do we need to bring this up again? Because I said it in the beginning, I'm going to say it again. The scars are still there. They are still there. They are ruling a lot of our lives. I did a podcast recently where someone said, yeah, but everybody's using the word trauma, we're overusing it. Well, get comfortable. It's been, it's been the underlying driver of a lot of the decisions we see in the world. Whether it's the war, whether it's climate change, whether it's identity crisis, name anything, whether you believe in these things or not, they're there. People are talking about it. So if you get frustrated because trauma feels overused, then you might be part of the problem. Because what I'm inviting you to do is to get curious about, well, why is it making you frustrated? Is it because you've experienced some trauma and you didn't make a big deal about it? And I respect that. But maybe there are other people who actually feel they no longer want to be driven by whatever trauma has been doing to them or stopping them. Now, I know some people say big T, small T. I don't know if you're interested and you want to talk about what that means. Let me know. I'm going to start looking for guests. But what I do want to do is start sharing my thinking and my research. And so let's go to trauma, giving you some different views on what it means to decolonize. Trauma is defined as a distressing or disturbing event. I keep that very simple, but the minute you go down the pathological route, you know, where we've got neuroscience and, and those who have studied this field for decades, there are so many other meanings. I mean, one I came up with is this imbalance. You know, we seek homeostasis, which is our ability to just be balanced across our body. So whenever something happens that takes us out of that sweet rhythm of balance is when we experience trauma. Statistics show Copeland et al., I believe that was um, 2007, but there'll be so many other studies, explain that 70% of adults have experienced one distressing event. By the time people are 17, anywhere between 60 to 65% of 17-year-olds have experienced trauma, and that was a global study. My decolonized lens says, well, how global was that study? <laughs> what countries did we do that study in? Just the people that you had access to? the people that were able to carry the same level of power to contribute to that research. There are so many things, but either way, I think the minute we start to look at things with a different lens, I actually think that's where some of our solutions to some of these problems will be.
This isn't about, like I said, us versus them, but a we. What could it look like to have a different narrative? So, as I said in my trailer, I'm probably going to have more questions than I'm going to have answers, but I'd be keen to know your thoughts. What's come up for you? You know, I talk about downloads. What downloads have come for you just in this conversation? What did you think, yeah, that makes sense? Or what did you disagree with? Where was your discomfort? Did any of it sit within your body? Or was it all in your mind? I'd love for you to share this podcast with others and, and really recommend people I could speak to because I have a version of reality, but my goodness, it's so limited. It's still great, but still limited. And I know collectively we can do this together. So looking forward to seeing you and what we create in the coming weeks, months, years, and most definitely decades, because the work is deep. Sao bonito.